what's good jazz fans welcome to jabber jazz your home for fan-driven ad-free utah jazz basketball content from an analytical emphasis i'm adam bushman your host you can find me on twitter at adam underscore bushman and today we're doing a crash course on the upcoming 2023 nba draft a lot of us have kept up on the draft throughout the season uh, honestly in big anticipation of utah's three picks but if you're just getting started, this is the crash course to get you up to speed. We're going to dive into the draft, discuss kind of a little bit of the reputation, what's kind of the word going around about this class. We're going to dig into who are the names you absolutely have to know. Some guys to kind of watch out for, perhaps brush up on, uh, look up some of their film and kind of dive into a little deeper. And then also detail about what's coming through the grapevine. What's the word specifically on the Utah Jazz. So all that and more is coming up. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing to the podcast, giving us a follow at jabber underscore jazz, and leaving a review or comment. All those things help get this podcast out into the the sphere of Jazzland and make sure that we are um, reaching as many people as possible. Well, without further ado, let's jabber jazz. All right, so if you are just kind of getting your feet wet in the NBA draft, trying to get your bearings as we're less than a month away, this is the podcast for you. We're going to dive into uh, the draft kind of at a high level so you get kind of a broad understanding of, of what this draft, this class is all about. And that way you kind of have some things in your back pocket to go out and do some of your own research, specific names to Google, specific uh, teams maybe to go back and rewatch some film and maybe also some uh, places and resources you can uh, look up to to find some additional content about this draft class. Well, let's get into it. So the first thing we're going to talk about is what's the word on the draft. So let's first talk reputation. For a while, this has been known as the Victor Wembenyama draft. Uh, most of you have probably heard of Victor. He is a French player who has been kind of in in the talk uh, around the NBA for a number of years now. Uh, what's so unique about him? Well, he is the consensus number one overall pick. He will be being drafted number one. He's undoubtedly the best player in this class and is routinely talked about as the best prospect the NBA has had since LeBron James was drafted in 2003. He plays basketball like a wing on offense. Right, so he's pulling up for threes, fadeaway jump shots. He's got a smooth handle. Uh, he's very coordinated. But on defense, he plays like a center. He is seven foot four, seven foot five. He's uh, thin, lanky, very coordinated, starting to fill out. And he has been preparing for this debut for years. He's, he's playing in a professional league in France. He played for the French national team who went up against um, players that are now already in the NBA. Um, so he this has been the Victor Wembanyama draft. If you haven't seen some of his highlights, go look him up. He is going number one overall and he is uh, just a sensational player and he's really going to be a treat to watch for uh, the next several years in the NBA. 
So some other reputation things. This is an interesting class as well because you have a lot of non-collegiate international players coming here in the first round. So you have four players who are currently playing in over uh, overseas leagues, international leagues. Right. Victor Wembanyama is one who's in the French League. He has a teammate who's projected to go in the first round as well. There's a player who uh, plays in Spain and another who is playing for the uh, New, Ze- New Zealand uh, New Zealand team. And that's pretty unique. Four international players going in the first round. But the really unique, or, or prospectively going in the first round, but the really unique thing is that there's going to be five players who are projected to go in the first round who are playing in domestic leagues, not college. So you have players, a handful that are playing in the, in the G league, right? So that is the developmental league for the NBA. And there's a specific team called the G league ignite who uh, takes players who would otherwise perhaps go to college out of high school and they pair them with, you know, veteran players and it's intended to craft and mold them into NBA players. And so it is an alternate pathway to the NBA. Similarly, there are two players who are coming from a, a similar type of league that's called the Overtime Elite. It's specifically designed to help players grow their brand, be kind of like a social media-driven league, um, and have a real fun brand of basketball while also enhancing development. Most of the kids are, uh, are finishing high school. Some are college age. And so it was really unique. Nine players of the 30 are prospective first-round picks. And these nine are coming from a non-traditional route of either international or um, non-collegiate avenues. It's really, really intriguing. We'll get to some of those names in a little bit. But that's a real unique wrinkle to this draft. Another thing, too, this draft kind of has the reputation for having some big names right at the top, but then a lot of depth for role players. There's a lot of there's a lot of variability towards the end of the first round and into the second round. You're going to see some people will have players on their boards you've never heard of and other players who you've heard a lot about maybe falling into the second round. There's going to be a lot of variability there. And so there's a lot of depth for these role players. And so the, the thought on this draft is that no matter where you pick, you're going to have a good shot at getting someone on your team who could play for a good number of years uh, in the NBA. And that, that there are still a good amount of players who have all-star potential. And then you got the real big names who have all-NBA potential right there at the top of the draft. Again, we're going to get into some of those players specifically. There's also a lot of contrasts in this in this draft. Most drafts naturally have some of this contrast, but we've got some really, really extremely young players who by the start of the season will still be 18, which is pretty incredible. And then we've got some players who are 23 years old. And a lot of that has to do with this class and, and last year's class specifically being so affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Their eligibility was thrown off. Development was, was curved. And so we have a, a wide range of players whose age can vary quite a bit. Similarly, there's a lot of contrast with size. As I mentioned, Victor Wembanyama at 7'4", uh, a real tall, long type player. 
And then we've got some other kind of uh, bruiser centers, really big bodies. And then some really kind of, uh, you know, prototypical wings and forwards who have the size and the, the ball handling and the athleticism. Then you have really big guards and you have small guards. There's a lot of, there's a lot of size variability uh, and contrast here. There's also a lot of skill in this draft too, a lot of passing, athleticism, uh, lots of defense too. Uh, there has been a, a bit of a lack of shooting, um, especially at that, that top end. Not a ton of strong shooters at the top end of this draft, but there is a lot of skill overall in this draft. Uh, and the other weird thing is there are few bigs. Outside of Victor Wembanyama, you're not going to see many traditional centers who are your rim-protecting, rolling to the basket out of the pick-and-roll type centers. You aren't going to see them until the back end of, of the first round, which is a, a pretty interesting component too. So let's talk about the layout of the draft. I've hinted at it a little bit too. So at the top, you've got a lot of athleticism and you've got a lot of size. Uh, outside of a specific player who we'll get to in a little bit, everybody has really, really nice size uh, and is pretty elite athletically. There is kind of a lack of shooting. There's there's one specific player or two specific players who have some, have some really strong uh, shooting indicators. Uh, but outside of them, there is a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, there are some indications that with some development, they, they can really develop some shots. But some of them may not be strong shooters from the get-go and may only be average shooters throughout their career. And certainly some... Um, won't won't really ever develop into you know consistent outside threats. Towards the middle of the first round, that's where you kind of see a mix of specialists. So there are some some uh, shooting specialists. You have some defensive specialists. You have some passing specialists. Uh, they can do other things too. As I mentioned, this this draft has a lot of contrasting uh, skills and, and and a depth for role players, but they do have some specialist skills. We'll get into some of those in a little while. Towards the end of the first round, that's where you see a lot of these upside plays. And some of them are a bit mixed, right? So you're going to have some players who have a ceiling and have a high ceiling and a low floor. And those you might just say, hey, we're going to take a swing. And if we miss, well, it's a late, late lottery or late first round pick, anyways. You know, the success rate is pretty low regardless. And then towards into the second round, you've got a lot of players who can kind of fit any mold you want from size, age, skill, experience, translatable skills and, and abilities, uh, or, or real projects. So there's quite a nice balance here of kind of whatever, whatever the team is kind of after, uh, which is pretty interesting. So let's talk about, I guess, the perspective of this draft class before the year kind of started with all of the leagues playing and before the NCAA tournament, before the combine, and then kind of after. So towards the start, you had uh, a lot of highly recruited players that were going to Duke and Alabama, uh, etc. And several of those have actually fallen. You had these premier recruited talents who, because of either immaturity or injuries, or perhaps the system wasn't really designed for them, have ended up falling quite a bit. So these were players that were projected to be top 10 picks. And you, you can get some of those players 
into the 20 to 30 range of the draft. So that's an interesting value proposition, right? You've got players who were who underwhelmed for one reason or another, but that historically have the the traits and the pedigree to be really excellent players. Those could be var- bargain plays towards the end of the first round. We'll talk about some of those in a little bit. Then you also have some big risers, some guys who have had some really balanced game uh, that they displayed in college or their other leagues, had some high-level production, or you just see a ton of the traits, and it doesn't really matter that it was a bad situation, or it doesn't really matter that it uh, that they may not have had a great success. The traits and the process is so great that they're rising anyways. So... It's really an interesting mix of kind of whatever you might want to go after. Let's talk about the lottery for a second. For most of the year that we've been following, there's been a lot of questions about how the lottery will fall. And the lottery is where you take the number of teams that didn't make the playoffs, and each is assigned the probability to get the number one, two, three, and four picks, and then we draw them out to figure out who those top four will be. And that four can come from any of the 14. And whomever is left after the four are taken fall in order from five to 14. So the lottery already happened. We know those top four, the first being San Antonio. So they will be drafting Victor Wembanyama. Then we have Charlotte Hornets at two and the Portland Trailblazers at three. And that's where things get really interesting uh, because the players that are projected to be at two or three, uh, they either could really fit with Charlotte, but Portland has would have their eye on a specific one of those two. So it's a really interesting uh, play there. Then Houston comes in at four, and then the draft uh, kind of goes in sequence with Detroit, with Orlando, with Indiana, Washington, Utah, etc., and if we look at the lottery, uh, the Portland Trailblazers are really, really interesting as well. They want to win. They have Damian Lillard, who's fantastic. Houston Rockets, they also no longer have control of their picks. They owe them to the Brooklyn Nets, so they want to win. The Dallas Mavericks have Luka Doncic. They want to re-sign Kyrie Irving. They're at the number 10th uh, seed. They want to win too. In fact, Houston, Portland, and Dallas have all signaled a willingness, and perhaps even a motivation to trade their picks, perhaps trade out to get pieces that complement their their team for winning now. Similarly, Detroit, who's at five, and Orlando, who's at six, they could also be open to trading. So how the lottery fell was a very interesting was a very interesting combination for what it could mean for the rest of, of the league and how the draft goes down. Finally, the Utah Jazz have three picks. They have the number nine pick, which is their own. They have the number 16 pick, which comes via the Minnesota Timberwolves, which was acquired in the Rudy Gobert trade. And finally, they have the 28th pick, which comes via the Philadelphia 76ers and came by way of the Royce O'Neal trade. Now you might be thinking, wait, did it? the Jazz trade Royce O'Neal to the Brooklyn Nets? You are correct. And the Brooklyn Nets traded the Utah Jazz back a pick they had acquired 
from the Philadelphia 76ers. So that's how we ended up with that pick. So that is kind of the word on the draft. What's kind of the reputation around this class? What's kind of the layout of where talents are kind of grouped? Also, a some insight into what has kind of transpired since the start and kind of t- trending towards the end of this process. Uh, how the lottery fell and where the Jazz are kind of sitting. All right, now let's talk about who are the names to know. So we talked about Victor Wembanyama, but we hinted at a lot of other players too. So who are the other names you have to have to know? The other name that you're going to want to know in addition to Victor Wembanyama is Scoot Henderson. He's one of those players who is coming through the G League. He played for the G League Ignite the last two seasons. He is a mix of Derrick Rose and Chris Paul. He's got a lot of cerebral traits that Chris Paul has for seeing the game, uh, being a real uh, manipulator of the defense with, uh, with, with how he kind of approaches things, also being um, you know, respectable defensively. But then he's a mix of Derrick Rose because he is so dynamic and powerful with his athleticism. Uh, He's so fast, he's so strong, he's got an NBA body already. But as I mentioned, uh, (laughs) he's the one anomaly at the top of this class for size. He uh, measured in at six six foot two inches. He's got a six foot nine wingspan, but he's already built like a Mack truck. He's 19 years old. Scoot Henderson is likely the second or third overall pick. So he's a name you're going to want to know. Mix of Derrick Rose and Chris Paul, and he is coming out of the G League tonight. The next two names you're going to want to know are Brandon Miller and Cam Whitmore. These are kind of your prototypical wings that every team wants. They're kind of like your Paul George, your Jason Tatum, your Anthony Edwards, your Jalen Browns, you know, that type of, of wing player with size, with athleticism, with skill with the ball in their hands, with shooting and defense, kind of that all-around player everybody's coveting. So Brandon Miller, he is uh, 20 years old. He's out of Alabama. He was one of the uh, most superb players in all of college basketball. Six foot nine, uh, six eleven wingspan. Uh, he really has a nice foundation across everything in his game. Cam Whitmore is uh, almost nineteen years old. He played for the Villanova uh, Wildcats. He is again that wing. He's six six, six nine wingspan. Again, he is just really, really built. Awesome NBA body already, and he is just an elite, elite athlete. And he's already got some skills with the shot. He's got some ball handling. He has some defensive traits. There are some, there was some lackluster uh, stretches throughout the season for him, but there's there are some explanations for that, and and also you know some indications that you know things maybe weren't quite right. But he's he's a fantastic player as well. Next two names you're going to want to know are are coined the Thompson twins. They are twin brothers, Asor and Amen Thompson. 
As I mentioned, they're twins. And these are the two that are coming out from that other league, Overtime Elite. That league that's geared towards building your brand, uh, being on social media, that type of thing. So these these twins are 6'6", 7-foot wingspans. They are both tremendous with the ball in their hands. Ultra, ultra athletes, two-way players, but they lack shooting. They, they, they really lack shooting. A man is more of a point guard and a sore is more of, uh, of a wing. But they both have similar skills and, and distinct traits as well. The next two names you're going to want to know are Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks. Jairus Walker uh, is similar to Cam Whitmore, and he is already already built for the NBA. 6'7", 7'3", wingspan. Uh, he's a forward, just 19 and a half years old. Uh, he is just built for the NBA. Um, kind of a mix between uh, Julius Randle and Draymond Green physically. Uh, really, really an imposing player. He is uh, incredible at defense, and he's got some passing and, and shooting skills uh, as well. Taylor Hendricks played for the University of Central Florida. He's also 19 and a half, 6'8", 7'1", wingspan, kind of a combo 4-5, really shoots the ball well from three, defends the rim, doesn't quite have as much creation himself, uh, and isn't as strong of a passer or a dribbler as, as Jairus Walker, but those are combo 4-5s. And finally, there are there are two players, Kaysen Wallace and Anthony Black, who are contrasting styles at the point guard. So Kaysen Wallace is 6'3", 6'9", wingspan. He's a guard. He's got a real foundation in everything. Coined as one of the best, if not the best, defenders in the uh, in this draft class played for Kentucky Kentucky guards are often undervalued in the draft process because they um, they play a kind of an egalitarian role for uh, Kentucky for John Calipari so there's a lot of reasons why why he's exciting Anthony Black is also a defensive minded uh, player really strong passer not as strong of a shooter, but there's some good indications there. He's six six, six foot eight, um, and, and like I mentioned, a really strong passer out of Arkansas. Both of those players have kind of some contrasting styles, but are really, really exciting, uh, exciting players. So those are the names you're going to want to know. Victor Wembanyama, he's going one. Likely either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller are, are going to go two or three. Then you have Cam Whitmore, who's kind of that prototypical wing. You have the Thompson twins, who are ultra-athlete, two-way players. Uh, one of them is is a, a guard, kind of your point guard. The other one um, is more of a wing. Then you have these you know, defensive-minded with contrasting offensive games who are at the combo 4-5 in Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker. And you have a similar type thing at the point guard position with Kaysen Wallace and Anthony Black. Similar, but also distinct. So those are the names you're going to want to know. And why are you going to want to know them? Well, these are pretty consistently the top uh, players that are projected for the NBA draft. I listed out 10 there, including Victor Wimbanyama. So those are, you know, in, in most mocks are going to be the traditional uh, players that you see atop all of these boards. Well, the Jazz are at nine. So odds are the Jazz are going to be drafting one of these. And 
at worst, they're going to have the option to draft uh, at least multiple of them. And furthermore, even some of these who aren't quite in the Jazz range, for example, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, I said they are likely to go one, uh, number two and three in some order. The Utah Jazz have the ammo to trade up there. And as we said, Portland, who is at number three, they have signaled an interest in trading their pick. So that's why we should be familiar with all these names. I'll list them out one more time. Victor Wembanyama. Know him because he's he has a chance to be the best player in the NBA uh, at some point in his career. Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson are going to be in the tier where the Portland Trailblazers are selecting. Then you have uh, Cam Whitmore and Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks. You're going to have Asor Thompson, Amen Thompson, Anthony Black, and Kaysen Wallace. So those are the names you're going to want to know. Look them up if you haven't already. If you have heard about them, learn a little bit more. And I'd also like to interact with you on Twitter. Find out who are your favorites among this group. You can uh, find me at Adam underscore Bushman or tweet at Jabber underscore Jazz. Would love to hear from you. Okay, what are the names to watch out for? So this, this one isn't quite the, hey, you have to know every one of these names and you should be familiar in part with their game. These are players I suggest uh, you have just a cursory understanding of because these are going to be the players the Jazz have a ton of options for that, that 16 pick, the one we're getting from Minnesota. The Jazz will be in play for any of these, these players that, that we want. This is kind of that specialist and upside tier that we talked about earlier. So in this next section, you're going to have a lot of sharpshooters. And there's five sharpshooters in in particular. They all do, again, they're all really good shooters, but they all bring some unique attributes to the table as well. Grady Dick out of Kansas. Uh, He has some of the best size, probably the the worst athletically of this group, uh, but he is kind of your prototypical, you know, standstill shooter, also come off cuts, um, and he can do a little bit in straight line drives to, to the basket. Uh, also is a little underrated defensively. Keontae George out of Baylor. Uh, this is a guy who is thought of as, again, one of those, one of those top premier talents out of Baylor. Um, he, he is a, he's a really fantastic player. He is... Um, he's 6'4", 6'5". Um, he's kind of in that Bradley Beal type type frame and type style of play uh, at the guard position. Uh, he's pretty good at uh, coming off the dribble, um, really deep threes, uh, that type of thing. He that, that that's the type of player Keontae is. But he has you know much more ability to drive uh, with the ball in hand than Grady Dick of Kansas does. Next is Jordan Hawkins. And if you're familiar with the name Jordan Hawkins, it's probably because you remember him from the NCAA championship run that he was a big part of for University of Connecticut. So uh, Jordan Hawkins, is he's, he is the oldest of this group, um, just over 21 years old. 
but he is probably the best movement shooter of this group. Uh, and the Duke can hit bombs, but then he can be all sorts of off kilter and 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 wonky positioning, and and he can just just drain. He's also probably one of my favorites of this group from a defensive standpoint. Jordan Hawkins, University of Connecticut. Next is Jet Howard. Now this guy is a really good standstill shooter and movement shooter, but his best attribute is that he's got a really good handle and he's very, very shifty. So he can really spin his defender like a top, really kind of create nice separation. That's something the others don't do as well, uh, near as well as, as Jet Howard, though Keontae is pretty close and Jordan Hawkins uh, has some of that ability as well. Lastly, of the sharpshooters group is Dariq Whitehead. Similar to Keontae George, Dariq was one of the highest recruited players out of high school, went to Duke, and he, before the, before the season kind of kicked off, he was routinely thought of as a top seven prospect, which is incredible because now, if you look at some, if you look at all the draft boards from the industry, he's routinely going in the back end of the teens, start of the 20s. So that's a real potential play right there for Dariq Whitehead. He is a great combination of, of standstill shooting and ultra defense. He's got, um, he's got a little bit of a pull-up game. He's got a little bit of a drive game, um, but Again, he, he's just a really good standstill shooter and, and plays some really good defense. Um, and a lot of the reason his stock has fallen is in part due to injuries and being on a loaded Duke team. So that's your sharpshooters group. Almost every one of those players are in play at, at 16. Some are surely going to go before 16. Some are going to go after. But... Uh, but there's no rhyme or reason at this moment to say any of them will for sure be gone by 16. Jazz, Jazz will absolutely have a chance to pick one of these guys at 16 should they want a sharpshooter. Some other names to watch are the, in this upside wings, upside forwards uh, section. The first two play on the same team, the G League Ignite with Scoot Henderson. Leonard Miller, he's from Canada. Uh, he is a, a really uh, you know, long, lanky, athletic uh, player. Um, if I pull up his, his stuff really quick, uh, he's 6'9", 7'2", wingspan, uh, good athlete. Uh, he's really good at finishing, um, really good at rebounding, really, really active off-ball defender too. Moves really well on offense. City Sissoko, he is a French player also playing with the, the G League Ignite. So, so he's kind of an interesting mix there. 6'6", six, six, uh, height, 6'10", wingspan, already filled out. Uh, I, I feel like he really pops off the screen. Uh, has a really good foundation in everything except for passing. Uh, and I also think he's a, he's a pretty strong defender. Really powerful player. Maxwell Lewis. I actually did a write-up on SLC Dunk about Maxwell Lewis. He's out of Pepperdine. He's out of Pepperdine. Six-six uh, height, seven-foot wingspan. Um, he's he's pretty filled out at two hundred seven as well, two hundred seven pounds. Uh, and I think he's got a nice foundation of everything 
to where he's going to be a good player. Uh, he doesn't quite have the ceiling for me. Uh, and there's some indications that um, the situation he was in wasn't the best. And, and partially, maybe that was uh, his own fault. But uh, that's Max Lewis. Another name is Bilal Koulibaly. He is another French player who is on the same team as Victor Wembanyama. And uh, Bilal is, is really, really a fluid athlete, a real fluid player. I mean, he just he just glides across the court and, and, and makes everything look so effortless. Six foot eight, seven two wingspan, uh, isn't a strong shooter. Uh, really, and isn't a strong rebounder at the moment, but he does everything else quite well. And lastly, Gigi Jackson. This is probably one of the big, most controversial players. He's the youngest player in the upcoming draft. He is also NBA ready body, six foot eight, seven foot wingspan. He's already filled out. He played for a bad South Carolina team. He took a lot of bad shots, and he didn't really make very many shots. But when you watch the film, what really pops is uh, his presence, his impact, and that he could get any shot he wants, and that uh, he creates just a ton, a ton of separation on his shots. And in, in a game in college, it doesn't really lend itself to too much space and separation. So those are some of the names to to just kind of know on the top of your head, kind of know. Oh, okay, Gigi Jackson, he's a wing. Okay, he's got a nice body. Oh, okay, sharpshooter, Grady Dick, he was from Kansas. Just kind of have a little bit of that reference because those are going to be the players in and around 16. Some of those players may slide back down to near where the Jazz will be picking at 28 as well. But again, back at that range, there's going to be a lot of movement. So you may or may not know some of those players, and, uh, and it's really hard to keep up with that tier. All right, what's coming through the grapevine on the Utah Jazz? What 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 are we hearing? So the first thing is that the Jazz want positional size. So they want tall, long players for their position. So they don't want to draft more Trey Burks. Um, they don't necessarily want to uh, be investing at the five position with traditional centers. Okay, so they're looking for like a 6-6 point guard. They're looking for those 6-8, 6-9 wings. They want, you know, players who aren't necessarily, you know, just specialists, who don't do just one thing, but that have potential to contribute in a whole host of things. They also have worked out and interviewed many of the players that we've already mentioned. They did so at the NBA Combine, which took place this past week in Chicago. And leading up to the draft, they will be having more workouts. What's interesting is that they've chosen this year to not publicize who they're working out. This is in an attempt to be more competitive with the league and, and not tip their hand. So we will certainly know some of the guys the Jazz are going to work out and, and have in their practice facility, but it's going to be a lot harder and more, more secretive than has been in years past. Finally, uh, Tony Jones of The Athletic reported that the Jazz are pretty confident after this NBA combine that they're going to have good options at, at all the spots that they're at. So that means the Jazz aren't feeling desperation to trade up or out of a position. 
that if worse comes to worse, they feel very confident that there's going to be a player that fits their checklist at each spot in the draft. Now, again, that doesn't mean that they feel they have to trade up or trade out, but they still can. And certainly if there's a player that, that really pops in their, in their draft process, in their interviews, and in their workouts, certainly they'd prior, prioritize that player and, and would do what it takes to move up for them if prudent. All right, so where do you find more about this NBA draft class? So if reading is your thing, you like to read about prospects kind of in your spare time and reading is kind of your thing, I would suggest, honestly, reading SLC Dunk. I write for them. Go to slcdunk.com. They intersect the, the draft with the Utah Jazz. So you are going to get a flavor of Utah Jazz with all of the, the news and insight about different players. I've recently written three draft profiles up on SLC Dunk um, for some of the players that we mentioned just here. And a, a lot of my contemporaries are, are writing profiles as well. So that's a great resource for you to get some free content. That's jazz-focused and is also coming kind of from a fan's perspective. If watching is your thing, you kind of learn by watching. You want to see what the player is doing in real time. I would suggest two YouTube channels. The first is Hoop Intellect. And Hoop Intellect is going to be the style where you're watching highlights and you're going to have a host who's breaking down what we're seeing and describing the strengths and weaknesses of each player. The second YouTube channel is called The Scouting Rapport. R-A-P-P-O-R-T. Not report rapport r-a-p-p-o-r-t scouting rapport on youtube they have some of what hoop intellect does but where i think they really stand out is they have some full game highlights where they've truncated them down to box score related highlights so when a player shoots and misses that will be in the highlight reel when they shoot and make that will be in there as well when they commit a turnover shoot a free throw get an assist a rebound Etc. And so that's a great way to see uh, everything that kind of goes on, every kind of high level thing that goes on in, in a game for a specific player. And they've got them grouped into playlists for each player as well. So if watching is your thing, Hoop Intellect or the Scouting Rapport on YouTube. And finally, if listening is your thing, well, look no further than Jabber Jazz Podcast. If you go back through our archives, you'll see. I think four NBA draft previews where I got on the got on the mic with um, some other jazz fans and uh, real deep dive draft analysts, and we went through their big board. We talked about all these players, and we talked about the pros and the cons, who they like, and uh, again, you're going to get four of those. And I'm also going to be coming out with some more episodes here soon. So you don't have to go too much further to get some more draft content. And finally, um, again, another option for listening. Uh, the podcast No Ceilings is a great one. They have daily episodes. And what's nice about them is they have uh, different duos of hosts for the different days. Sometimes they do mock drafts. Sometimes they do uh, deep dives on a player. And sometimes they talk about things more in general that are kind of going on news-wise. So those are some options where you can find more content that I would suggest for you.
Okay, well, thanks for listening to really my NBA draft crash course. Hopefully you got a sense for what this draft is like at a high level. You've got some names that you can look up uh, and, and do some more research. And you kind of know what the Jazz are, are looking for in this draft. And finally, where you can go to find more of that information about this upcoming draft. It's going to be fun. We're, we're post the lottery. We're after the NBA Combine as well. And we're less than a month away from the actual draft. So thank you so much for listening. If you like what we're doing, you can support us by subscribing to the podcast, uh, following us on Twitter at Jabber underscore Jazz, um, checking out our YouTube page, all of those NBA draft previews. You can see our faces and you can see the board as we're going through them. And you can see highlights of these players. Now, all that's on YouTube. Leave a review or a comment if you so desire. That would help us you know, reach a wider audience. We'd really appreciate it. Anyways, as is customary for us to leave you with some sounds of jazz, here we are. <laughs>